Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. So welcome to all of you today. It's good to have you here at Freedom Church. If it's your first time and you are a guest here, you're very welcome. Uh, For those listening on podcast, and people do, you're also welcome. Those walking their dogs listening right now, it's good to have you with us. You had two chances to return up, but you didn't make either of them, but you can listen on the podcast. (laughs) Wonderful. So many options. We're talking today about space for growth. Space for growth. How do we create space for growth? Um, If you have your Bibles, you can turn them on, open them up, or it'll be on the screen, whatever works for you. Um, I want to look at a parable from Luke chapter 14, and it'll be on the screen behind me. And it says these words, Jesus was, the context was Jesus was just talking about the kingdom of heaven and what a great, um, about party and about taking your place, about being humble and not taking a place that's not deserved to you. And in that midst, someone said, wow, it'll be amazing, there'll be like a banquet in heaven. And Jesus used these words to describe what the banquet in heaven, the feast in heaven, would be like. And he says these words. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. This is a parable of what God, who would be the master of this party, would be like. He sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. (laughs) It's just me who finds this stuff funny. I mean, I know it's the Bible, we probably shouldn't laugh, but it's like going, if you've bought a field and you can't make a party because you have to go inspect it, because what will have changed well, it's still, I'm just checking it's still there, just touching it and make sure it's all okay. It's a field. It's not going anywhere, is it? And, and I, I know the next one was probably a bloke because he said, I've got to try out my new oxen, see how fast they go, you know, whether they kind of got revs per mile or something revs per minute. It's like, it's just, it's just a weird, you, you know, don't you, reading that, these are fake excuses. I mean, the last one going, I've got, I've got a wife. <laughs> Imagine that, you're invited to a party on Facebook and you say, I'm really sorry, can't make it, I have a wife. I'm sure my wife would not appreciate me using her as an excuse to not go. Um, and th- th- I just find that funny. Sorry, it's just me going off on weird tangents. Anyway, carry on verse 21. Let's carry on with the Bible. It's much more important than my thoughts. Uh, the servant returned and told his master what they'd said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, go into the country lanes behind the hedges and urge anyone that you find to come so that the house will be full. That the house will be full. For none of those I invited first uh, will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. We'll come back to that in just a moment. That is a parable that Jesus told to help you understand the nature of heaven and their Father God and his invitation to us. But in our house recently, um, we've been talking about this space for growth thing because I don't know if like you, if you've got an attic or a spare room or a garage or a shed, it soon gets filled up with stuff. Was it just our house? You've got an extra drawer, it gets filled with stuff. If you have more wardrobe space, it gets filled with stuff. And the more space you have, the more things seem to grow into that space. Has anyone ever heard of a lady called Marie Kondo? Marie Kondo, there's a few little gasps around the room. Uh, Marie Kondo, 
has made an absolute fortune teaching people how to tidy up. It's amazing. Parents for decades, centuries, have been telling their children how to tidy up. She puts it in a book and makes $8 million. I mean, we missed a trick there somewhere. This lady, Marie Kondo, wrote a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And she, she wrote this book, and she talks about how things must give you joy. If they don't give you joy, you should get rid of them. But you should thank them before you get rid of them. And she, she thanks them. And then she, I know, I, I, I don't understand. I'm not sure this is even, even Christian. But she does this kind of weird thing and gives these stuff away. And she folds things in special ways. And some people in my family, mainly myself, have got a bit carried away with this. She's now on Netflix. It's a Netflix series. I've watched only the first one, but it's quite intriguing. And she folds things in certain ways. You can see, you open a drawer, and I can see all my shirts. <laughs> I know, I know. Now, some of you here go, that sounds like a great idea. Other people are going, what a weird bloke. All right, my family think that as well. It's okay. And so Marie Kondo has changed the way I fold my clothes, and I have to fold them a special way, and I can reveal to you my secrets if you want to come along to a special seminar. Um, I'm going to try and make some money out of tidying up. Uh, but anyway, but here's my big idea for you today. Here's the thought I want you to be in your head. When we create the right space and environment, things grow. When we create the right space and the right environment, things grow. You know, so the idea was, I was having a shower this morning, I noticed a, a bit of mold appearing just on that kind, right in the corner of my shower. It really annoys me. But it's in a warm environment, water's regularly there, and mold kind of likes that. It grows. It's natural to grow. It's the right environment and the right space, things will grow. I look at my window this morning, and my lawn that has received a lot of rain is looking very hairy right now. It had the right space, the right environment, and it's growing. It's got more. Um, you know, those kind of things. Just a few weeks ago, our, our church team, I was so pleased. I was away at Spring Harvest, and I saw pictures on Facebook of our team emptying out the container. Why? Because it was full of stuff that had just been shoved in it. And I love the fact that only a couple of years ago, we had a cupboard at the school. That's all we had was a little tiny cupboard. And we managed to fit that, everything we needed in that cupboard. Then they did some rebuilding. We get a container, and we'd fill a 20-foot container with stuff. And the team last week emptied it, or a couple of weeks ago, emptied it all out and realized we had a lot of stuff we didn't need. When we create the right space and the right environment, things grow. And uh, here's a bit of honesty for you. Um, I have a 33-inch waist. I know it's a bit accurate, but I used to have a 32-inch waist when I was in my 20s. It's, uh, it hasn't really been there for some time. But here's the thing I know, that men's trouser sizes work in two inches, 30 inch, 32, 34, 36, 38, you, you kind of get the way it works. And some of the, the men here get this, the ladies are going, seriously, There's, that sounds really complicated. We have like four sizes or something crazy. And so I, I, I know that I could buy 34 inch trousers. But when you create the right space <laughs> and the right environment, those of you who are newly married, Christian, Simon, sorry, Christian, Who's, yes, Mr. and Mrs. I love that, Christian. Good to have you with us. When you create the right space and the right environment, things grow. So I know if I buy 34-inch trousers, I will fill the space. My wife has already told me very clearly that I will fill that space. And so I have actually found a couple of shops that sell 33-inch waist trousers. And I can reveal again, the men, you come and see me and I'll send you my very <laughs> secret information here where you can get 33-inch trousers from. Or maybe you like a bit of lycra, a little bit of flex. I don't know how it works. But here's the thing. Whatever you create space for, you fill it. We fill space with stuff. 
And I think that works both ways. When we create the right space environment, things grow. And that can be a good thing if it's used correctly, where we create the right space for the right things. So I want to teach you four things today about space and what that really does for us as a church family as we move to two services, but also for you and I individually, how we create space in our lives. Number one is this. We were designed for multiplication. We are designed to multiply. We are designed for more than who we are. We are never designed to be static. God puts within us everything we need to develop more and more and more. God gives us multiplication. It's in our DNA. When God made the heavens and the earth, he created every animal and every plant with the potential to multiply. Every plant comes from something because multiplication has taken place. Every seed has the potential to grow more fruit, to grow more plants, to grow more animals. And so You understand that there's multiplication in creation. And God made us in his image. And in Genesis 1, he turns to Adam and Eve and he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And then a few chapters on, we have the whole Noah and his ark. And he, pl- he parks his ark on top of the mountain. And God says to Noah and his family, be fruitful and multiply. Multiplication is all in our DNA. God demands that we multiply. It's how he's made us. It's our It's our natural uh, sort of way of operating. We must uh, see multiplication. It's normal. It is normal for human beings to grow and to develop and to see multiplication. In Genesis chapter 9, sorry, not 22, uh, Abraham. God speaks to Abraham and says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to multiply your descendants. It's his normal, it's his standard, it's, this is how it works. I expect multiplication. In the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, you've got the story there where the sower is scattering his seed and some falls on rocks, some falls on the, on the path and birds take it and eat, and eat them up. But some falls into good soil and what happens? Multiplication. 30, 60, 100, there is multiplication. It's expected. It's normal. In Acts chapter 12, in the early church, the Bible tells us that the word was being preached and there was multiplication. It multiplied. The early church grew because God's default position is multiplication. And it's in each one of us. He designed us to be multipliers because God is generous extravagant. He gives us more than we need. God doesn't go, that will do. That's enough. Limit yourselves. Restrict yourselves. He goes, no, be free to multiply. We're designed to multiply. I was encouraged this week. I read a story of a church that managed to gather about 90 adults and they decided to go to two services with 90 adults. Now, here's the very strange thing. They were meeting in a hall that could seat 400. I know, I thought I was mad doing two services. Uh, but, but imagine that you're sitting in a hall with 400 seats and someone said, I've got an idea. Let's double in size by having two services. And their comment was this in the book I was reading. They said, you know, when we do change, we can either do change because we have to in a reactive way. We're so squashed, we're so tight, we have to make a change. Or we go, we see change coming. Let's create the space for change. We can be proactive or reactive. 
And we have decided as, as Freedom Church, we want to be proactive and create space because we see God's bringing growth to us. And we're declaring every empty seat you see around you is a, a prophetic statement of lives that God wants to bring back into his house. That's what he's interested in. And rather than going, this is us and our club and we're very comfortable, he's saying, no, I want more space for more people to encounter him. And so our job is, as a leadership team, our job as a church is to create space and an environment for people to grow in him. Why? Because God loves multiplication. When we create the right space, the right environment, things grow. Number two, how do we create a healthy environment? Those of you who are gardeners know that if you want your seeds to grow into healthy plants, they need to have the right environment, the right soil, the right, uh, the right water. Do you have the right water? I don't know if you have the right water. You need water, sunshine, and you need air, and you need soil. You need the right environment, the right atmosphere, the right place for those plants to grow. Um, and that's important. If you've ever seen the film Martian, you'll know all about this sort of stuff. And that's about my knowledge of, of gardening comes from Mars. And, you know, Matt Damon, that's about all I know about gardening. But I know you need the right environment. If you have the right environment, things grow. And there's a difference between something being planted and something being buried. It looks the same, but it's very different. When you plant something, it's intentional. You're putting a seed into the ground, in the right type of ground, expecting life, expecting fruit, expecting growth. When you bury something, you're expecting death. You're going, oh, I've had enough. But sometimes it can look very similar. And I want to say as Freedom Church, we're deliberately, intentionally planting a seed, creating an environment, so we want growth to happen. We want life to happen. Psalm 92 says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. I believe church should be a place where people flourish, the house of the Lord. And it says they're planted, rooted. What it doesn't say is put yourself in a pot plant. And I think sometimes Christians do this thing where we go, right, I'm, I'm in the local church, but I've planted myself in a pot plant. I'm in a tub. All right, well, maybe quite a large tub or small, doesn't really matter. But the idea is this, if I need to move to another church, I can just up myself and I can move. I can just pick up the pot plant and go. And, and the Bible doesn't say it. And Psalm 92 says, plant yourself. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, root yourself, get involved, participate. When you get yourself connected to the life of the church, I believe you will flourish. When people say to me, I feel like I'm on the edge of church, I'm a bit kind of struggling to find friends and, and feel part of things, I say to them, are you fully involved in the life of the church? Give yourself. Come regularly. Get yourself into a connect group. Start to give financially. Serve on a team. Our time, treasures and talents we talk about here at Freedom Church. It's not just because we want your money. We want you to feel part of something. It's not because the chairs need putting out. It's because when you put the chairs out, you'll meet people and you'll go, this is my church, my home, my family. And you'll feel committed and connected and you will flourish. I genuinely believe this should be a place where people flourish. I want this to be a house of the law where people come alive. And not pot plants. We don't need any pot plants. If you want a pot plant, break the pot and start to bury yourself into the ground and grow healthy. Wonderful. Here's a phrase I read this week I thought was superb. It said this, humility creates space for others to flourish. Humility creates space for others to flourish. When all you're worried about is yourself and how you're doing and how you are, you know, what's going on with your life, other people won't grow. If every conversation you ever have with other people is all about you, they won't grow. Our job as followers of Christ is always about others. It's always about how can we create the environment for others to grow. We look out for others. We humble ourselves and we create space for others. 
Church communities, great Christian church communities, should always be about other people. And there's this marriage between our worship of God on one axis and our love of others on the other axis. Does that make sense? There's, imagine a graph. I didn't do this on the PowerPoint. But there's a love of God and then there is a, a love of people. And if we are too close to the, 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 the point axis, that, uh, I don't know, you're a math teacher, Tim, you might want to help me here, but that's sort of right at the bottom of the scale. If it's all about loving me, worshiping me, and spending time with me, that's unhealthy. That's, that's isolation. It's unhealthy. If it's all about you and God in a relationship and all you just do is worshiping God, that's great. But that's not how God created you. If it's all about you and just creating community and family, that's a nice club. But actually, we want to be people who love God, worship him, and build community with others. When we become an other people-centered community, then we see growth. That's how we create the environment for people to grow. Jesus said it this way. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Other people are more important than yourself. And when we come to church, we go, ah, oh, uh, you know, isn't this lovely? I get to sing songs that I like. I get to turn up at a time that suits me. And can I say, this is my biggest concern about going to two services. People go, oh, this suits me nicely. I can fit this around my schedule. This isn't about our schedule. This is about creating space for other people. We'll create space where others maybe could never have got to church. Now they can. Now we've got more seats. We can invite people to come and join in the life-giving that God gives to each one of us. And everyone is invited to participate in that. So we want to make sure that others become our priority. When we create the right space and environment, things grow. The third thing is the example that Jesus set. Jesus set an example of how we can love others and create space for others. Jesus always had time for others. He was always spending time with the outcasts of society. He was always eating with them, even those that the, the, the religious leaders said, no, you shouldn't spend time with those people. Jesus had time for people. And in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which is in all four of the different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's this beautiful moment where Jesus has been preaching all day. He's been busy. He's exhausted. And his disciples, I love this bit, because the disciples say, oh, Jesus, should we send the people away because you're very tired? What was really going on, they were knackered, maybe a bit bored of what Jesus was saying because they'd heard it all before. And they were like, and I'm going, off you go. Off you go. Can we send them all away? Please get rid of them because we just had enough. It's just too tiring. I want a nap. I want a break. I want some food. And Jesus says the Bible, in the Bible, he says, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. He goes, no, these people are really important to me. Let's feed them. We've got time for them. And I love the fact he turns it around to the disciples and go, you go get some food. Let's have a little kind of learning moment for our disciples here. You go find some food. You know the story. They get the packed lunch and Jesus breaks the bread, breaks the fish. And thousands get fed on that day. Because Jesus has time for people. He creates space for people. He, he never ran anywhere. Do you notice that about Jesus? He never ran anywhere. He was never in a rush when he's on his way to Jairus' daughter to bring healing and someone touches the hem of his cloak, he doesn't say, I'm really sorry, could you book a diary appointment with my PA? He doesn't say, you know, I've got time for you, I'm going to Jairus' house. I can imagine Jairus like, Jesus, hurry up. Jesus goes, who touched me? I've got time for whoever's near. I've got time for people in need. The moment where Jesus is preaching in a house full of people and suddenly a hole appears in the roof and a man is lowered down because he's lame and his friends want to get him to Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, what are you doing vandalizing the roof of this person's house? He doesn't say, have you got a ticket to get in? He doesn't say, you were late, last come, last served. You know, outside, join the queue. Jesus had time and created space and goes, I'm interested in you. 
can I help you? Let me get rid of your sins. And then when the religious leaders didn't like that whole sin cleansing thing, he went, okay, I'll let me show you another trick or two. Roll up your mat and walk, and then everyone can see that I am the son of God. Jesus had time for people. He created space for people. He had compassion on them. And then when we come to this story that I read at the very beginning around the parable of the feast, this story of God's uh, father, sorry, God, God the Father in heaven having this massive party. And here's the thing. He's saying everyone is invited. Everyone is invited. Every man, woman, and child on this earth, whoever has lived and ever will lived, will live, that's the right phrase, will, is invited to heaven. God wants everyone to participate in this great feast in heaven. Everyone's invited. And then you know, we see this parable, you see that some people were invited and went, ah, I'm too busy. I'm doing stuff. I'm looking at my possessions. I'm busy with my relationships. I've got stuff to look at and organize. And yet Jesus is saying, everyone's invited and the house needs to be full. And we have a responsibility as people of multiplication and we create this environment for people to come into. We've got a responsibility to go, will you come? Will you meet God? Can I help you, connect you to God? Our job is just a middleman of saying, God, would you meet with my friends, with my family, with my neighbours? We are the introducers from one to another. How do we do that? We need to create the right environment, the right space for people to grow. And Jesus set the example. He said, I've got a father's house ready and waiting. You know, he doesn't say, actually, my father God's only got a 12-place dinner set. I've only got room for a few. I'm going to run out of knives and forks if too many come in. Uh, actually, the first come first. He doesn't say that. He goes, there's room for more. And after the first time, the servants come back and say, well, we've gone and got everything we can think of, and there's still space. He sends them out again. He goes, go and urge people. Go and persuade people. Go and tell people, come on, you've got to come. Go find people. He doesn't just say, well, that's our shrug his shoulders. Oh, well, we've got who we've got. He, God wants everyone to come to know him. The invitation is wide open, but he wants us as his servants to do everything we can to invite others into that party. And the last point I want to make this morning, which is the most important point, is that it's down to God to bring the increase. God brings the increase. You know, we can create the right environment. We can create empty plastic chairs ready to be filled. That's in some ways the easy bit. We can do the invitations. We can go and speak to people. Say, Would you come along to church? We'd like to introduce you to God and my friend and my father. And they may or may not come. But God brings the increase. And in the, in the book of Corinthians, um, uh, Paul writes his book to the church of Corinth. And, he, and he, he's correcting them. He says, some of you get a bit carried away with whose party you're part of. He says, some of you say, oh, I'm with Paul, one of the speakers and communicators at the time. Oh, I'm with Apollos, another guy who's going around preaching the word of God. He says, you know, it doesn't really matter who you're with. Some, some people sow seeds, some people water them, but it's God that makes the seeds grow. God makes the seeds grow. The bit that Paul does, the bit that Apollos does, is just stuff that people have to do, but God will bring the increase. And does, it doesn't matter who does what. It doesn't matter who stands on this platform. It doesn't matter who plays the guitar, who makes the coffee. It doesn't matter who does what. We just do what we can do. And we pray and say, God, would you give the increase? And I'll do the bit I could do. We'll create the environment we can create. We'll ensure we have a welcoming space. We'll make sure we're inviting people to come along and to meet you. But ultimately, God, will you encounter people at their place of need? Will you meet with them? And will you bring the increase? And our responsibility is to do only what we can do. And allow God, this is the good bit, for him to do what 
only he can do, which is much more than we can. We have to be those willing servants to do what we're asked to do. It's not important, says Paul, who does the planting and who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seeds grow. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.